party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week on the show, I am joined once again by friend of the show, Neil Powell, for a game of Keith Baker's Phoenix Dawn Command. Phoenix Dawn Command is a game about legendary heroes in a time of great turmoil. It is a game about phoenixes, powerful heroes for whom death is not the end of their story. Phoenixes embark on legendary quests to help save the mighty empire from the oncoming dread, a supernatural onslaught that takes on multiple forms and scales. As they undertake these missions, phoenixes undergo a cycle of life, death, and rebirth, each rebirth giving them new, awesome abilities with which to better combat the dread, until a time when they run out of lives and fade into the mist. It's such a cool game. I'm such a big fan of this game. Uh, we are playing GMless. This is a GMless two-player approach to Phoenix Dawn Command. It's really interesting, cool, and it plays really well, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Neil, as you know, is one of the voices behind the DMnastics and Dungeon Masters block podcasts, both of which are spectacular advice podcasts, whether you're interested in Dungeons & Dragons specifically, or role-playing in general. He also runs the blog from LP to RP, in which he adapts album covers as 5th edition content, which is such a cool idea. And on top of all that, he's one of the voices behind the Whelmed the Young Justice Files podcast with Rich Howard and Emily Booza. What a good group of people. What a good podcast full of good friends. You can find that at CrashingTheMode.com. And you can check the show notes below for more information about all of Neil's work and for more information about Phoenix Dawn Command. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I'm sitting down once again with Neil Powell. Neil, thank you so much for coming back on Party of One. I am beyond excited for getting a chance to play with you again and play a game that I truly love. I am beyond excited to play this week's game. But before we do that... Why don't you take a moment and let the listeners know about all of the amazing work that you do, all of the podcasts you're a part of, all that kind of stuff. Okay, buckle in. Uh, so the main one is definitely the Dungeon Masters block where we talk about running Dungeons and Dragons mainly, but it's pretty system agnostic advice on being the person behind the screen where I kind of run, if you will, Diamnastics, the gym for Dungeon Masters to work out their minds. I also help our great mutual friend, Rich Howard, with doing Whelmed with Young Justice Files. And recently, I joined the Encounter Roleplay team as an editor for Tomes and Tentacles, as well as taking their stream of The World Tree Burns and turning it into a podcast. But the thing I want to promote the most, because all of it is very funny named, is the blog I started. It's called From LP to RP, where I take album covers and I make fifth edition content based off of those. And you can find that at thestruggleisneal.com. That is a very good domain name. That is an incredibly good domain name. <laughs> So that that is it. That, I'm sure there's more, but I've definitely forgotten it. Anything else? Eh, you can always let me know afterwards, and I'll put it in the show notes. Future me. Don't forget to put things in the show notes. All right. This week, we are playing Phoenix Dawn Command. We are specifically playing a GM-less uh, game of Phoenix Dawn Command, and I'm very, very excited about it. Yes, I'm, I've played this game quite a few times, but definitely not with this few people and I am terrified, but it's okay, because death is how you get stronger in Phoenix, so it can't be that bad. Our world is under siege. We are among the few who can turn the tide. We have passed through death and come back stronger than before. We are Phoenixes, and we are our world's last 
and only hope. So why don't you introduce your Phoenix to us this week, Neil? So I chose to go with the Durant school. So essentially, for context, if you think of a heavily armored individual, always up front, shield in hand, that kind of person. And the name of a phoenix often ties back not to who they were, but who they are as a phoenix. So I've named my phoenix Stalwart. Mm. And I have died three times now, and I went with Durant for the first two and Forceful for the last because I was not fast enough to save the rest of our wing, which I think we'll get into in a little bit. Yes. Um, I think the other things to talk about are the Talon that I have, which is the weapon that is always with me no matter what. And I've actually made it a spiked shield. So I don't actually have a melee weapon, but instead I use that shield for both defense and attack. And my uniform, which again always stays with me no matter how I change my physical appearance, is heavy plate armor. But you notice that this time around it's lighter because I felt like I wasn't fast enough before. So I'm not quite as heavily armored as I once was. And I am playing uh, I am playing the devoted the devoted phoenix known as Vineyard. Uh, Vineyard died for others. They, uh, Vineyard, he sacrificed himself. He was a person who lived his life for others, and when, like, when the dread came, which is the, the, the grand terror overtaking our world, he stood in defense of others, died, and became the devoted. He doesn't wear a lot of armor. He's very light. He's, you know, very lightweight. He has his uh, cutlass on his side, which he has named uh, the Wanderer without a home. Oh. We'll find That's out awesome. why in a little while. But um, he is very dressed very, like, uh, fashionably. Not a lot of armor, but uh, his second death, he has also died three times. His second death was a shrouded death. He was... A travel in in his first life, he was a traveling uh, winemaker. He would make wine and go to these like festivals, and he died defending people, defending people at one of these festivals from a monster from some like horrible dread monstrosity that had come to harm people. In his second life, he died a shrouded death, like exploring ancient artifacts and things that should not be known and like trying to unearth the the stories of the ancients that they might help the the dawn commands cause and then then that all brought us to the tomb of the urn bearer which is where we are now uh there has recently come we have recently unearthed word of an artifact that can stop a phoenix from rising a phoenix grows more powerful in death we die, we come back more powerful than ever. But this artifact that has been discovered tied to, can be tied to like forged weapons from the metal of this tomb. And if a phoenix is struck with these weapons and killed, their, at, their body turns to ash, but instead of ascending and coming back, they are trapped in this ancient urn underneath a mountain. We have been sent to destroy this urn, but our two wingmates have fallen, their bodies trapped. We have to free them. We have to stop the urn bearer and free our friends. And I died a bitter death. I wasn't able, I was, I was the bulwark of our team and I wasn't able to defend us. 
And now here we are, deep in a deep in an ancient tomb. Everything is dust and muck, and it's in our mouths and our noses and our eyes. And the only thing around us is the dead. And the only way forward is to kick down some doors and destroy these living dead monstrosities and free our friends and free the remaining members of Dawn Command and hopefully turn the tide on the dread. At least for a moment. And we are terrified. I am beyond terrified. This this is the only thing that I feel can truly scare what Dawn Command stands Mm -hmm. for. The numbers of Phoenix Phoenixes used to be in the hundreds and hundreds, and there's only a hundred of us left. And I also think that our wing is not the only set of Phoenixes that are missing. Mm-hmm. Like, because the communication system in the world is is fairly mundane. And if a Phoenix is to leave and come back, they have to come back by fairly traditional means. And there are several that are out that it's completely unexplained as to what is happening to them. Yep. No, there's no telling how many souls are trapped in that urn, and if we're not careful, it could be us next. So we have to do what we have to do, and I am not someone... I am not someone that is taken lightly, that takes fear. I'm not someone taken to being afraid, and yet even... Taking a step forward is a challenge to me right now. Yes, I feel so much the same. Like this is shaking stalwart in listen, even to the name stalwart. Mm -hmm. Like it's shaking him to his core, both from the perspective of being afraid and being forced. Like there's nothing else I can do. Like I don't like either option. Even if I wasn't afraid, I wouldn't like being forced to do this because I can't choose to do anything else. And so I I think our, our, I think our leg of the mission begins in what is probably, I think we're pretty deep in the tomb at this point. I think our, our, our fellows have just fallen. We, we probably watched them die. We probably watched their ash drift away down these tunnels. And we've come back and we're scrambling around this tomb that is probably littered with the recently, like, slain skeletons of this battle. And we're not sure at any moment which ones might wake up. What does Stalwart do? Thankfully, as a phoenix, we don't have to sleep. But that is both blessing and curse. We're, I'm on edge 100% of the time now. Like, I don't, there's no rest I mean, yeah, there's no sleep, but there's also no rest. And so it essentially stalwart is just head on a swivel, looking down here, walking over, checking this passageway, looking back, checking this passageway, double checking the dead, triple checking the dead, essentially just keeping in constant motion of like there's whatever is next is coming. I don't know what it is, but it's going to come and it's going to come soon and we need to be ready. As you're doing that, I I think I would like to possibly initiate a still a skill spread because i think what uh vineyard is doing is sitting very quietly and seething for a moment and mourning for a moment but then pops one of his ceremonial wineskins off of his belt he has about a like he has a bunch of them more than you would probably <laughs> need to bring on a mission but he pops one of yeah. them and he sits next to one of the corpses and he closes his eyes and he speaks a small prayer and he pours 
a small splash of wine into the, the mouth of one of these corpses in a way to sort of sanctify it and say, like, you are not, your spirit is not at war. You are not in battle. Drink and drink and rest and be at peace. So are you doing, are you doing a skill spread, you said? Yes, I think I'm going to call this a skill spread. So I'm going to draw my okay, six cards, like my six card hand for my custom made deck of Phoenix Dawn command cards. And uh, I, would you call this an intellect? Or, I'd call this an intellect. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play, and I can play any number of cards, right? Or is it up to three? Four. For a skill spread. Skill. It's up to three. Up to three. Well, I only have two intellect cards, so I'm going to play them both. And you can play any trait that you feel applies as well. And then, of course, tie back also to any specialty that you feel applies. Yes, I have the specialty of... Uh, I have the specialty spirits, so I'm going to call that. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna invoke that. I see what you have done, and I am pleased. Good. I'm glad that you see what I have done. Uh, I I have the, the the specialty spirit, so I may add. So if you're all right with that, I'm gonna add five to the total. The hundred percent. Yeah, I'm gonna add five to the total. I'm gonna play a four of intellect, and I'm gonna play a one of intellect with my resourceful trait. I like that as well. Uh, my resourceful trait, when I use this card in a spread, draw two cards, place one of those cards back on the top of my deck. And I excel at finding creative solutions and overcoming limited resources. How can I get the most out of what here is available? I think that this is an old, old, old trick. This is an old festival, old winemaker's trick, right? And so I know that, like, all I've got is this wine. So I am going to use it to the best of my ability. And... I don't know if this prayer will necessarily keep the spirits asleep, but I, th- I can certainly try. And yeah, so I'm going to end with a 10. Okay, so that would put you in the competent range. Suggest a reasonable level of luck or talent. What do you think? What's a reasonable level of luck or talent here? I I think because you're also doing it for one specific person that I really do think that it it's effective mm-hmm. and not only that it's it's because it does the do, the double spirit meaning you essentially found the person that often sought out drink for comfort mm. and like this is the direct connection that somehow you had the luck of finding the person that like that's where they sought comfort and it essentially they will rest easy and you can almost feel their spirit mm-hmm. kind of drift away. And I, I, I smile to you as you're kind of like panicking and I say, see, it's not it's not so bad. It's as simple as helping these souls find comfort. And that's what we're all after, I, I think. Now, if they're coming at us with sword and spear, I think that may change things. But if they're resting, we, we can simply help them rest. Yes, but... As helpful as resting the souls of mortals may be, you know we have to do so much more I, than that. I know, I know. We have to be ready, be ready for battle, and be ready to lay waste to anything that comes, and we have to move forward. But I think I do spend some time, like, sitting with people and, like, talking to them for a moment. And I take a little time to do that, as you're kind of, like, walking around. Oh, and I should mention one thing, uh, just as a, a, an offhand game mechanics thing. Uh, you and I have a devoted bond. 
which means okay. at the which means I've set aside four of my fourteen sparks. Sparks being the thing that powers uh, my phoenix's abilities. When I run out of sparks, I die and come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I set aside four sparks. At any time, you may return one of the sparks to me to regain two sparks or draw two cards. That is awesome, and I I greatly appreciate that. But and I also think that going back to that, the bond that we have created is so much deeper now that we've lost everyone. Mm-hmm. For sure. It, you're in, almost like the pathways that which we were all connected, we're having to use to connect even more so. And and I think that's also you know, good and bad. Like the, the more fear we feel, we feel it together. And it's unfortunate, but at the same time, the more we feel like it's working, it's successful, like both of us kind of rise up with that feeling. Yes. A hundred percent agreed. We were we are on this emotional roller coaster together one hundred percent. I think seeing you do that also brings something up in in me and thinking back to my previous life of being essentially I was the militia leader for like a local village. We weren't fancy, but we did want to protect our family and ourselves. And knowing that our goal is to see our wingmates die the death and re be reborn. I actually start trying to give the, the other bodies here some semblance of last rites because it just seeing you do that. I, I feel that I need to be helpful in that way. Um, and I will also in doing so be practical as well and actually try and see if there's anything useful that I can find on their bodies. Yeah. I like that. I dig that a lot. And so I will use my observation skill and let's see. Oh, so if I use the observation skill, that will put me at five mm-hmm. to start and I will play two more or two more cards, a two and a three of grace, which would put me at 10. So All right. something essentially luck or some talent in finding something that we would see that would be useful for us going forward. All right. So what I think you find is, I think that you, you're you're putting these souls to rest, like you're performing your rites, and I think you feel that like, it might not be working quite as like because you're 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 performing the rites on like more people. Mm-hmm. I think it's like working well enough. Like you don't feel like they're necessarily fully at rest, but you get the feeling that they are not necessarily a threat. Like it will take it will take conscious application of magic to sort of bring them back from the void. But what you find that is useful is, uh, you find one of these, you find, uh, the weapon that killed one of our wingmates. Mm -hmm. This, like, gnarly looking spear that has been crafted from rusted black metal. And it looks more like a machete that has been tied to a pole than it does, like, an actual spear. Mm -hmm. I like it. And you're able to kind of, like, study it. And you're able to, like, get the sense that, like, you could defend, a, like, you, you're able, you're able to look at it and be like, oh, well, I know how to break this. I'm a soldier. Ooh, okay. You can tell that these weapons are sort of, like, slapdash made and can be broken. Like, they're, they're not finely wrought. These are things crafted by restless spirits that have, that are trying their best to perform, like, military science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The poor shambling bones trying to work a forge not that great yeah exactly 
I will now carry with me the spear that killed our wingmate, which, I mean, I just feel, you know, I'm definitely going to take it, but I feel like it's putting even, it feels like more burden placed on me. Yeah. And almost, oh, okay. (laughs) Yep. I can also hear and feel who it's killed. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it. Like there's some comfort in feeling that connection again, but that at the same time I can feel their pain because the act of transferring and going quite through the fire is quite literally feels as if you are going through the fire and it feels like they're stuck in that process. So like I know that they're in pain, but again, like there's some comfort in that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So yeah, I think that like, we're spending time. I I think that as we're spending time, we're putting we're putting souls to rest. I think that we, I think we reach a point where we have to move forward. I think we reach we kind of like we put souls to rest and we start to feel that unease of like things are moving and things are. Let me ask you, what terrible what ter what terrible omen do we feel in the air that tells us like something is stirring below? So this is actually tying back to real world knowledge that I have is essentially once you smell bone dust, it is a smell that you immediately identify because there is nothing like it. And essentially that sense of that smell washes over us, which immediately in our minds means that there are undead on the move. Because you know, it's bone against bone as they move. So there's this faint smell in the air of bone dust as we know that they're moving towards us. That's, I, oh yeah, that's, that's horrible, but I love it. So yeah, we, <laughs> we smell this and we know. I think we smell it coming from behind us, right? Like we know that they have essentially like closed off the wall behind us and we can't go back. Because there's that there's definitely that voice in the back of our minds that's like, we could just leave. Like, this mission could just be a failure. We've already lost half of our people. We can't risk this this many losses. And yet, we have to go forward. So I think we, we, we move further down the tunnels, and they are deep and, like, constructed tomb tunnels. But, like, they kind of bleed in and out of natural caves. Like, there's a long stretch of, like, a square tunnel that, like, the stone then turns hewn and, like, rough. And it kind of starts to curve. And you get the sense that, like, they just picked a cave and turned it into this barrow. And I also like the idea of random offshoots. Because, you know, and they're looking for more of this mm-hmm. very specific type of metal that they can use to forge these weapons. Yeah, and, and so that's why it's so deep in the ground is that they're continually searching for more and more of this to create and make more weapons that I, again, am absolutely terrified of. And I think what happens next is we're moving, we're moving, we're following. I think we're following one of these offshoots, right? Like we're thinking, you know, because I think the offshoots... They have to, there have to be things down there that, like, that we could use to our advantage. Or that, like, would give us some indication of what we're truly up against. And we're following one of these offshoots. And I think I'm going to ask, is Stalwart taking the lead, or do you think that Vineyard is taking the lead? I think that if, if space allows, I think we're 100% side by side. Alright, I think that's fair. 
So yeah, we can go with that. If not, then uh, I think Stalwart would go ahead and take the lead. But if if possible, we're right side by side. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think we're absolutely side by side. I think we're side by side. I think there are periods where Stalwart takes the lead. There are periods where Vineyard takes the lead. I think what it is is, and I think I'm going to ask, I think I'm going to ask Stalwart for a skill spread. As we sort of navigate these tunnels, some of which are offshoots, some of which are tombs, I think I'm going to ask you to avoid uh, getting us, like, avoid getting lost and avoid, like, going into uh, what is, like, not necessarily a trap, but a bad situation. Okay, this is not going to go well. Because I don't have any grace cards. Oh, you know what? I do. So I might make that skill spread. Okay. This is my special I'm thing. Also, I'm also okay with the concept of failing because I'm just so head down knowing we need to move forward and taking us into a situation that is not good. Yeah, you know what? Give me that give me that role if we fail. If we fail, we have to make fight some some horrible things, which will be fun. Oh yeah, no, like to the point where I don't have anything that could even begin to help us. I mean, I'm just head down and I almost want, I, I like the idea of almost breaking through something mm-hmm. and then just being in that bad situation because yeah, I have zero grace cards in my hand. I think, okay, so I think what happens is like we take a left and a right and a left and a left and, and two more rights and we're in, we come into what is like a large open cave area and it's pitch black. And we're like, that's mm. not great. Like, cause there is at least like lanterns and like unnaturally glowing like rods and things. And this is pitch black. And I think we look around for a moment and I'm going to put it on Vineyard cause I think Vineyard is nothing if not the person that would cause this to happen looks around and just says like well darkness is never ideal and that's what stirs what causes the darkness to move around a little bit and to start fluttering Mm. and we are overwhelmed by uh cave bats Ooh, i like it and i i also like the idea that they're twisted in some Mm -hmm. way like just this overwhelming sense of undeath and so they are more than ready to swarm us. Yes. And we will have to see what we can do about that. We will indeed. All right. So I think we are entering into combat. We are. And I, again, I am very excited. So the thing we need to do is create the torch. Yes. So what are things available in the immediate area that we could use during combat? I think there are... um I mentioned those glowing rods. I think there are, I think what it is. Oh, this is horrifying. They're not so much cave bats as they are cave moths, like sort of venomous, like venomous flesh eating moths. And so they have all kind of congregated around these glow rods that have been like placed in the wall. And that's why they were lining the walls. So I think there are glowing rods like jammed into into the wall of various things that the 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 cre- the the cave things are gathering around. What else what else is in there do you think? So as they kind of start to move away from the rods, it you know it starts to begin to illuminate the room more. And so the other thing that we notice is that there's essentially just 
trash and waste, yep. you know, bodies and various sundry things. So then we could say pile of trash. Pile of trash. That's one. Uh, I would also put mining equipment in there because we said this is an offshoot. We said this is where they're trying to dig this metal out. Mm-hmm. There's probably like pickaxes and maybe a cart. Oh, there's probably a cart on rails because this might turn into a into a rail cart chase. <gasps> oh, I am a hundred percent okay with that. Oh, it's tempting. Okay, uh, I think the last thing then would be, um, oh, I think that like, I think we feel an unease because I think there are deposits of that that ancient metal like. That have been unearthed, but they have not fully, like, mined them out. But there's this ore around that has magical properties that we don't fully understand. Okay. I like it. So we're ready. Do you want to go first, or shall I go first? Uh, go ahead and go first. You're the, you're the Durant, you're the, you're the forward fighter. Okay, so I will, I will just rush forward. I mean, there's... Virtually nothing else we can do at this time. And we redraw our full hand size, right? Yep. All right. So you will you will draw up to we'll both draw to six because currently yep. I am at full health, so I get an additional card. If I lose a health, I will go back down to five. Alright. But I will make you know what? I will just jump right into it and make an attack spread because I have quite a few. So I'll play Two cards. I'll play a four and a five because I have them. And I will also play I will also play Never Gives Up. Mm. Which becomes a temporary trait. So if I do happen to die while it is in front of me, I will remain alive until next turn. So I will play that, which puts me at ten. Okay. And then I assume we're using the stats of the carrion bird yes but yes indeed res- reskinning it yes we are so that will let me destroy five of them okay and uh on my attack so describe to me what that looks like i almost think that they they act as a swarm yeah and they yeah, are yeah. unified and i also just love the idea of just rushing forward as they're rushing towards us mm-hmm. Just leaning behind that shield and five, essentially five of them crushing themselves on it because oh, it is that awesome. giant spiked shield. So then they're essentially forced onto it and five of them die while I'm just able to hold hold essentially yeah. the entire swarm against it. And then the rest kind of float float off afterwards. And so I think what happens, what I do is uh, using my talon, uh, the wanderer without a home, I, un- I unsheath my cutlass. And I hold it up, I give it a kiss on the hilt, and I open my palm, and it starts to drop, and I give my fingers a little chef kiss and a snap, and it begins dancing around the room, and, like, safely behind your shield, I it just begins, like, tearing into these, like, moth creatures. Oh, that's awesome. And because mine allows me to make ranged attacks, make attacks at range, so I am a ways away just, like, tearing into these things. That's amazing. And I was not I was not ready for ranged attacks because it's you know, you don't get it until you at least get like a little bit higher level. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. Is that now do I go off of the attack that is listed on my combat style or do I? Yes. OK, well, that's not good at all. That's very bad. I have no intellect cards. Oh, but uh, when I, have a, but because of our shared strength, I can use any one card as a grace card, regardless of its actual suit. 
Correct. So, and if you have more than one combat style, at the beginning of every turn, you can choose which combat style you would use. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play my one Grace card. I'm going to play a four of Grace. Yes, that is what I shall do. I will play a, I will play a four of Grace. I will... Uh, and I'm going to burn... Let's see, their defense is three, so that will... I'm going to burn one spark to take that up to to take that up to five so i can at least take out one of them as i kind of like gesture towards it it almost makes me think of yondu that's in the very era. much what i was what i'm thinking what i'm picturing oh, as so i like good. as yeah i'm just directing it around with my fingers and like laughing as i like you know start picking them off one by one so because the moths have a speed of two and we have both gone. It is now their turn. Yes. So uh, anytime they make an attack, we uh, we would immediately suffer one wound. I assume they're going to attack both of us because there's a lot of them. So we both take one wound, correct? Yes. And then they will essentially, how do we want to word this? We could call, ooh, I like it. So swarm of fangs, mm-hmm. because we did mention that they are venomous. So they will essentially, it's all or nothing. They'll make a melee attack, and they will be attacking with a 12, and they will damage two points of brutal damage. The carrion birds can, or, well, sorry, the venomous moths can attack all enemies in a scene. Okay, so yeah, so they will attack both of us. Uh, We Mm -hmm. each automatically take one wound, so I am down, so we are both down to five wounds. Yep. And we make defense spreads. Uh, to, against uh, a total of 12. My defense is Grace. I may play two cards. I will not do anything because I don't have to. I don't think. Mm, trying to see. I'm going to make a defense spread of five. I'm going to throw down a three and a two. Two cards. Taking only seven. Which... I would say you actually wouldn't want to. Oh, yeah, to. yeah, okay. Yeah, I see. Because it's all or nothing. So unless you can stop the whole thing, you don't want to do that. So the moths swarm around us, and they they chomp at us with their fangs. Maybe they spray a little bit of, like, fly acid, and it, like, burns mm-hmm. through us. And we take... Uh, we, they, they deal an attack of 12. It is an all or nothing attack, so it's not really worth defending. So I'm going to just, so I'm going to take the damage. So I think we're both taking the damage. Correct. Uh, that means they deal two, da- two brutal damage to us. Brutal damage being it uh, saps our health a little more, it like saps our health a little more quickly. Uh, but because we are defending it by our endurance, I am defending it by two, which means I take one damage. And you divide it by three, which means you take zero damage because we round down phoenixes. Yeah. <laughs> However, we then also both take one wound because we are in a fight with these things and uh, our death is inevitable. That doesn't yes. sound great. It is a terrifying trait that these creatures have. But I think we can we can do it. We can solve problems. Yep. I, I think we'll be all right. So since we're we're back up around, either one of us could go. All right. I am actually, I think I would like to go first. Okay, go ahead. I am going to use my, uh, oh, yes, I am absolutely going to uh, continue to, at a distance, fall back. And I'm going to fall back uh, 
and continue to switch, like throw my sword around, right? Like continue to like dance it in the air, uh, making an intellect based attack, which for which I'm going to throw down a five. However, uh, on a successful attack, which this is a successful attack as their defense is three. I am going to pass. Th- I'm going to use passing pain. Nice. Uh, I get to deal a number of wounds equal to half my rank uh, at a cost of one spark, uh, one spark per wound. So I can transfer one. I'm going to I can transfer up to two wounds, which I've just received. To my opponent. Nice. So I recover that. I recover those wounds. I'm going to drop two sparks. Uh, each wound does inflicts three brutal damage to my opponent. I can do only do this to living opponents. These are living creatures. So I will uh, transfer those two wounds. I will spend two spark. Perfect. And deal them six brutal damage. So I will take out three, uh, four of them with my damage of two. So you'll... Hmm? Because, or no, the right... Is that great? No, so you would pass. So you're going to pass six along because you get three for each of the wounds. Yes. So you subtract three because of their defense, and then because it is. And does that do I count my attack of five in that? Oh, and the five. So that's so yeah, you're passing eight damage. Three. So four of them go down, right? Yep. Yep. You got it. So four of them. So yeah, I'm just swatting them out of the sky at this point as I like as I roll back. I think I, I think I kind of uh roll back and try to like knock over one of these carts to like defend myself and take cover as they are swarming me. Awesome. So I will step up and attack as well. And I am actually going to run through and pick up a mining pick and kind of use that to my advantage as I try and slice through the air. So Mm -hmm. I will use Mining equipment from the torch, which means we can't, we can use it again thematically, but the advantage I get is that I can draw an additional card into my hand before making my spread. Mm. So I will do that, and I have the ability to play a grace card as a strength card, so I will start out with eight, and let's see, nope, nope, um, it looks like I will just go ahead and make the attack of eight. And I will burn a spark, making it nine, so that when I subtract the three for their defense, it will have six left over, getting rid of three more of the creatures. So that's seven, uh, eight. That's 11 out of 30? Yes. Beautiful. We're doing it. If we want, If we want to keep it at 30. I mean, we could easily make it less that way let's make it less so that we can get to more fun combats after this let's make it 15 okay so we've knocked out 11 of 15 we're doing pretty well we're pretty close to successful uh but now it is their time to attack again (sighs) so inevitable death happens Mm -hmm. and we will take each take a wound and then they will use their storm of fangs uh i am actually going to uh spend another spark and transfer the wound that you take onto me. Okay. I accept. Thank you. I knew you I knew you would, my good friend. Let me take this burden from you and deal it back to those that hurt us hurt us. And don't forget, you can always uh 
use one of my devoted bond sparks to draw two cards or regain two sparks. Yes. I have four of them currently laid out. I swear there's a, there was a way I could trick them into attacking me, but I don't believe that's all is. good. So, I can take this attack. Okay. I'm 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 feeling good. The brutal damage will, I think, actually hurt me. Is what I think the difference is. You ground up yeah. instead of down. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah. That's the main difference between brutal damage. So you are you have taken so you took one one wound last round, and you'll take another wound this round. Yep. And I, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to use unyielding might and. I'm going to burn two sparks to negate one wound. Okay, I like it. And the other thing that's very interesting about the concept of wounds and being a phoenix is that one wound is similar to what a normal person could withstand, and we are crazy and have six of those. Mm -hmm. So when you're on the edge, you could... As it states in the rules, you could e easily be mistaken for an undead creature with how mm -hmm. torn up your body could appear. Yeah, they are burning through us with acid and tearing at our flesh, and we are battered and barely, like, barely, like, barely, we, we, we look awful. We look torn to hell, but we continue to fight. We continue to survive. And now it is our next turn. Yes. Uh, would you like to go first? I would. And you can essentially hear Stalwart now that we're getting so close to it, just just at the edge of fury almost of just, I don't have time for this. These are stupid. We have so much more important things to do than fight Maz. And, and I think as you say that, you hear rattling. You hear rattling around you and you know that it will not only be Maz any moment uh, now. Oh, so good and so bad. Um, so, so I need to be able to kill two of them. You know what? I'll just do it. I will play uh, two strength cards. So I have a three and a two. And I will play two sparks. And that will get me up and they will all go down. All right. Beautiful. You describe dis describe extinguishing these last threats as the as the bones of as ancient bones rise up around us to to take us to the to take us to the chamber of the urn bearer. As I've been shifting around and trying to get into the right position, I've been getting closer and closer to a wall and essentially timing it perfectly. I rush forward and just slam the last two between my shield and the wall, mm -hmm. and then just. Turn turn back around with my back to the wall to see what's next. And uh, you 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 smash through the wall. Make me a skill spread to uh, to evade to escape the ancient bones as you tear through the wall. I think I will also do the same. All right, I will. And I for mine, I am going to use uh, charming as I turn as I turn and I. Uh, I close my eyes and I, I think on these spirits and I say, aren't we all just spirits waiting to return to darkness? You don't have to follow the urn bearer. You could just go to sleep. We could all just go to sleep. Look, I was I. I am no better than you. Look at my body. I am more wound than man. 
Do you really want to turn your blade on me? I think we're friends. And I'm also going to throw down, so I'm going to throw down my grace for charming. Uh, I'm going to use my spirit skill, because these are undead spirits that I'm trying to convene with. And I'm going to throw down a four and a three, so that's seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, yeah, that is a twelve. I think it, I think it'll work. I think that it's just enough to kind of hit back onto that humanity, because there has to be, in my mind, some spark of humanity in these undead mm-hmm. because you haven't let their souls go to rest. And it's more confusion than success. I think yep. of just like, and then you just kind of scamper your way through. I will play this. I can't decide if I want to do athletics or endurance. I like athletics because I, I imagine myself both stomping and pushing. Through I think athletics. Undead. Yeah. I think athletics makes perfect sense. You're bashing through a wall. Yeah, so as they start to rise, I will play the trait added on, Skin of Steel. So the ones that do try and attack me, you've also noticed that as the acid starts to burn through, you don't see a body Mm -hmm. inside of the armor anymore. And you didn't realize that until now. Because as a phoenix comes out of the training in the Crucible, they can form themselves to look however they would want. So... You realize that I essentially have just become the suit of armor. Mm-hmm. And so I literally have skin of steel. And as they're trying to rake their, their, you know, those gnarly claws across my legs, nothing happens. And I will play a three and a four plus athletics, which will add five. So I'm at 12, 13 for my skill spread of athletics. Wait, we can use three cards, can't we? We can indeed. Okay, then I will actually bump into the next tier by playing a two as well, taking me into the exceptional tier uh, for the athletics skill spread. Okay, there so we yeah, we you bash through wall after wall after wall, and the place comes tumbling down as uh, Vineyard is talking and is I think you kind of at the corner of your eye you see as Vineyard is talking to these spirits he uh his shape is like changing and like he is taking on the form of people not people not these particular spirits but like almost almost knowing them without ever having known them He is taking on the form of, like, people in their lives, loved ones, friends, you know, teachers, and is like, and that, as he's talking, he's like, we we are all, we are all merely spirits. Like, you see him literally shape, like, shaking on that shape, and you see his appearance changing, you see him shifting, and he finally, like, settles back as he stops talking, and they kind of just, like, lay down. I like tagging into that of just this brutal effectiveness of you know, taking that athletics into mm-hmm. the exceptional level and as you're essentially putting them you know, like off balance mm-hmm. essentially I am just crushing through yeah. to the point where between the two of us you know that they will not rise again 
you affecting their spirit and me affecting what is left of their body, that there is no imaginable way that these creatures could come back to follow behind us. And I think you keep running, right? Like, I think you are just compelled by, compelled by, like, as you're just running, you hit a wall and it just crumbles, right? Like, it just dissolves mm-hmm. into dust. And more of these hands and more of these, like, skeletons try to grab you and you're just running. And I am, like, almost like the wanderer without a home. I am just dancing, like, uh, dancing from spot to spot. I'm picturing a little bit of, like, Thor and Loki, of like, Thor just barreling and Loki kind of, like, teleporting from spot to spot and like talking and you're seeing like you're seeing the words sort of like flow into their mouths like wine and like fill their bodies as you're plowing through them and we're just moving and moving and suddenly we realize they weren't trying to grab us they were trying to keep us moving in a direction Mm. and you tear through a door and I appear in front of, I appear just behind you, and there he is, right in front of us. We play directly into their hands. We are face-to-face with the urn bearer. He knew exactly what we would do, and knew exactly how to play us. I want to say that you can feel, you know, going back to that deep connection that we have, you can feel this grim determination mm-hmm from stalwart kind of washing over you and it's on this edge that you you're not used to like you can tell that you know i've been pushed so so much farther than i'm comfortable with because i've had to lean more on myself Mm -hmm. and you than i'm used to like this is just a burden but you you essentially see that feel that he'll star will will look at the urn bearer and say good I was tired of dealing with things that didn't matter. And, uh, Vineyard appearing, you know, appearing behind you just goes, <laughs> slaps you on the back, like right between the shoulder blades, and you kind of like jerk forward just a little bit. Says, wonderful line. Wonderful. Really well played. I am, you gotta, I am, I am impressed. And I just, I mean, Almost to the point where Vineyard is the only one that can hear it. We've had three days to figure this out. I've been waiting. I, okay. I, I, I'm actually going to, uh, what is my, what is my ability? I have, I have a distinct ability that lets us talk to one another. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yes. My devoted, our devoted bond. I can spend a spark. And so we are having this conversation where I'm like, I was, we're having this conversation where I'm like, I was being genuine. Like, I know I, I was I, I know that I come across as sarcastic, but that was very genuine. I was very impressed with, like, the comment. I thought that was very good. OK, I had overworked it in my head. No, I thought it was far I thought it was long. perfect. Okay. I thought it was good. I also like the idea of this conversation happening, but it's still grim determination yeah. and like just deadpan look right into the urn bearer's eyes the entire time it's just a series of close-ups flashing back and forth of like your face Mm -hmm. and my face as we're having this like telepathic conversation like i i don't think i think that you're i think that you're overthinking overthinking it i think you know you're the the material was good the line was good just go with it you know you don't have to like second guess yourself just be proud of the line that you dropped 
Okay. 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 All right. We're good. We're all we're all locked yep. in. I'm 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 as ready as I think we can be. Okay. All right. And so with that, I think we draw up our hands and we ready ourselves for the final battle. We do indeed. And that will have us create the torch once again. Yes. So describe. Let's describe the throne room. And I think that I think that is key. You know, and it mm-hmm. is a throne room. Yeah. And you know, and the urn bearer is seated on that throne, and I don't think that we see the urn. No, I don't think so. We we know that it's here, but clearly we need to deal with the urn bearer before we'll be able to deal with the urn. Yes, for sure. And so I think it. One of the things on the torch is definitely the throne itself. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think, uh, I think also there is there are big giant uh, metal statues. I think another classic throne room would be some sort of brazier. You know, that maybe that's part of the ritual that they need to keep working through, but definitely something that is burning and has ash inside of it. I think there is also. Um, Probably closed coffins lining the room, right? There are, we don't, we don't know if there's anything inside or what could be inside, but there are these giant ornate, almost sarcophagi lining the room. Different styles and different, like different styles and ages, but just so many of them. Probably a dozen at least. And, oh, there's definitely a skylight. That is peering down with the full moon, like the light of the full moon is like peering down and you see like an ancient rune, like the the moonlight, like there's a, a rune carved into the stained glass of this skylight. And like we're so far underground that there should be no moonlight and yet there it is, mm-hmm. like beaming down this rune right in the middle of the room. I also like the idea of some banner. That you're in clearly whoever this person was before they still hold to that on to some degree. So it is their their sigil on these giant banners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like kind of around the room. Love it. And that will put us at six. So we're ready. We are ready. You, so we drop our hands. Would you like to go first or shall I? Um, I don't know. I think I will go first. Okay. I think I will go first. And I think I I think I take I think I take the uh the I think I take the wanderer and I hold it in my hand and I say I look at you and I say out loud, not through telepathy, but out loud I say My dear stalwart, you do know how to stop this thing, right? No, I don't. You hit it where it really hurts and i flick i click i snap my fingers and i snap my fingers and it tears into the banners right i start tearing up the banners and Mm. i just start laughing and saying you tear down its pride nice so in using the torch you i will check off banners and you will get to draw an additional card before making your spread i shall do that oh that is a good card to draw so I am going to throw down uh, a four and a three. That is a seven, which successfully hits the uh, urn bearer, which we're using a reskinned barrow lord that hits its defense of six, mm-hmm. dealing it one damage, uh, dealing it one wound. 
uh, it is brutal damage because I have more wounds than I have. Right. Uh, I have more wounds than I have health. So we'll check. Actually, uh, I don't yet, but I think if you are okay with it, I, I, you have one wound, correct? I do. I will spend one of my sparks to take that wound from you so that I'm down. I have two wounds left so that I am, uh, so that I am officially closer to death and I will use my, uh, my bitter might to, uh, when I have more wounds than health, all of my attacks are brutal. So instead of dealing one damage, I deal three and I'm going to pass pain using, uh, one more spark per wound. I'm going to use two more sparks. I'm down to three sparks. Uh, dealing six more brutal damage. Okay. So you're, so you're dealing... Uh, nine brutal damage. If you spent one more spark, that would put you at ten and take an additional health level off because it's brutal damage. So you would round up. And so, then I will also spend one spark to so do that. And that will be... You took out one third of the Barrow Lord's health in one fell swoop. Strike its pride. Hit it where it hurts. I'm only, I have merely two sparks left, but four of them are tied up in our, like I have four additional sparks tied up in Correct. our Correct. And so you can use those and pull them back off at any point. It, like, oh, I can? Yeah, okay. So, but then you can pull them off and get a special correct. ability. And so you could, yeah, either way. So... I look to you and I see how ridiculously successful you were. And I essentially look back and say, yep, hit him where it hurts. And I just run straight at him. They haven't even Beautiful. gotten off of the throne all of the way. And I'm actually going to use the strength of the throne to be the thing that essentially sandwiches my shield, them, and the throne. Oh, that's so, so good. That is so good, so my friend. I'm going to pull an additional card. Also, because you took my wound away, I will already go back up to six because I can take a higher draw limit when I'm at full health. And I'll pull my additional card. So I will play a three. And I will play a four as a strength. So that puts me at seven. And no, I will leave that. Uh, unless you would like unless you would like it to be twelve. Okay, how would Because I I can uh discard Savior. Okay. And say that uh as I am, like, I am, I am, uh, my words are, like, ringing in your ear, and you're not so much targeting the, targeting the Urnbearer as you are targeting the Urnbearer's ornate throne. Mm. And so my, my savior trait, where I am, like, describe, like, using, you know, giving of myself. Okay. It adds five. I can discard it at any time to add five to my wingmates uh, total. Perfect. So we'll do 12. I will also enact one of my talents that I've been using. So I've been moving sparks over to percussive strikes that I got from the forceful class when I took it as my third rank. And I can let's see, add two to your attack for each spark. Return the sparks to your pool. And I will return the five sparks. Sparks because I am able to store those when I either hit with an attack or I am hit with something. So that will add 10 more. <laughs> so we're currently at 22 minus 
Six. Eighteen. Or eighteen or sixteen. Uh, twenty-two. You said twenty-two minus so six is so sixteen. You are correct. Sixteen, but sixteen isn't very fun. So I will spend two of my sparks, bringing it up to eighteen, which means I will take. Holy cow! I will take nine. Would I take nine of them off? Yeah, yeah, you would. We we just destroyed the the urn bear. <laughs> so this is this is amazing because conceptually, this is part of Phoenix as well. Is that we essentially packed all of it into this, and I also love the idea of saying that feeling you give me your power, focusing all the power, all the hate of all the things that we had to deal with before. And as I slam into them, there's just this crack that forms right along above the armrest and the throne falls over with the limp body of the urn bearer falling behind it. And we stand there and I think inside the throne, right? Like the throne crumbles and cracks open and there is the urn. And the the last challenge we need to make is that the urn is sealed shut. The magic of the urn is that, like, theoretically no one will ever be able to open Mm -hmm. it. But we are not just anyone. We are phoenixes. So, yes, I think an extended skill spread is Mm -hmm. what we'll need to do. So let's... I think so. We'll go to six. So I immediately start trying to pry it open and i start working on just getting it open by sheer force alone so i will play you know what let's set it i uh i think that i i think i would like to make a skill spread first if that's okay because uh because i think this is related to lore i think i kind of i think i start reciting like i start telling you the story of this thing and i'm like the legend is that this is containing the sor- the the source of all unhappiness is held within this urn. That is the legend. As we know, legends are false. Like, legends can be false, but that is what is told of us. That is what is told of this urn. I mean, so those spirits of our friends are not just kept inside, but they are kept inside with something ancient and powerful. And we don't know exactly what it is. And I start talking about, like, how it was forged, and I'm telling you the story of all of this so we have an understanding of, like, if it can be broken, what it means to break it, all that kind of stuff. I would like to, uh, I would like to drop, uh, use lore, add five to my result, drop a three intellect, and uh, a one intellect that I'm going to argue might be worth three because since I, I've t- I'm telling the story of this and we have talked and we have been fighting through all of this, I'm going to use seen this before. Nice. That I have like. Maybe. Oh, maybe. maybe oh, I think I think I have a big reveal. I think there's a moment I want to play out. OK. Stalwart, I've been lying to you. That's normal. I know, but the not in this case. I. I was not sent on this mission merely to to stop this thing because we are wingmates. 
We were made wingmates so that I could stop this on this mission. You see, I died the first time. I wasn't just defending a festival. I was defending a phoenix. One of these things came forward with a spear, and it nearly stabbed that that phoenix and took their essence and trapped it in that barrow, and I took that spear instead. And because I I was not a phoenix, its magic had no effect on me. And I was sent to the Crucible. And I have spent all of this time, my entire journey to this day has been to break this urn. And I never told you that. Because it was my burden to bear alone. And I'm for that, I am sorry. And Stalwart lets go of the urn. And just walks over to you and essentially puts a hand on your shoulder and then moves it up to your face to be like, look, that's insane. You understand as being a wingmate, nothing you will ever do will be alone. Okay. I, the only thing that I'm sorry for is that I couldn't have figured this out and help you carry that burden. But hopefully my presence alone was enough to give you the strength to keep carrying it. And now, hopefully, we'll figure it out together. Now we break this thing, and we see what is inside, and we face what is inside together. You're right. We fly together, because we are phoenixes. Now break that thing. Crack that seal with the might that no mortal can ever possess. Because do not ever forget. And I put my hand on your shoulder. You are no mortal. And I will turn back and I will, I'm going to just play all my cards and see how high I can get. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, if you'll, it, we're selling together. So essentially I'm going to somehow be able to pick up the, pick up the urn and move it towards the room. And I'm going to set it in there and I can feel whatever it is. And I don't even begin to understand it. The power of the room working in conjunction with everything that I'm doing. I essentially use Bastion, which is the name of the shield I have, Mm -hmm. to get under the top of it and begin to pry it up. I use Vengeful because this is this is too far. This is too much. You're taking the souls and putting them in unrest of the wingmates that I've lost. You're burdening the soul of the wingmate I have next to me. I can't deal with it anymore. I will also play Seasoned Veteran and... That will put me at three, three, five. So we're, oh, math. Uh, Take an additional two. I am going to use my, uh, I'm going to use our shared strength as I, as I, I simply believe in you. I believe that you will succeed at this. I have no doubt in my mind. So add an additional two to that. And so... Okay, and I will try and describe it better and see if you will give me 
any additional. So the other thing that with Phoenix, if you play a trait that is a one and you describe well how it um, ties in, you could have the marshal who runs the game give you more. So I think I'm really going to hone in on that vengeful. Like I, I think oh I I think you've already described it well enough that I will give you I will give you those uh, those bonuses. So they go from one to three, okay. correct? Yes, three or five. Get to give me why the vengeful is a five. The and so oh you can see through the armor that knowing I'm so close, I am essentially in a way finding myself again and you can actually see like bone and sinew start to form and like muscles start to break through the armor and i go through this litany of this is for this phoenix these are this is for the mortals that were lost this is for everything that you've caused for countless years this is done oh i love it yeah take take the five you are feeling you are feeling the combined sorrow of everything that has ever everything that this that that the urn has ever wronged okay and i will also add in athletics because it is strength and that will push me up over into 21 which pushes it into the superhuman category for skill spreads and that is exactly what it takes like it takes that superhuman strength like I said, no mortal could ever crack this, but you are no mortal. So the urn cracks, and you, like, feel it. You feel the lid twisting in your hand, like popping a jar of pickles. And you pull it open, and in an instant, there are four There are four phoenixes in a wing. Uh, if you want a moment to think about it, I will introduce one of our wing mates. Okay, so then, because we have the... the we have the devoted... And the Durant, so we want an elemental and yeah. a shrouded. Okay, yeah, because we could have, I mean, or we could have a bitter or a forceful. Mm. I kind of, so I, yeah, you do. I, your- I kind of like having a bitter. I actually have a really strong idea for a bitter. Okay, I'll do, I'll do the elemental okay. then. Um, Garote is standing in front of us. Garote is. Instead of skin, or rather, like, Garot's skin is thousands, is, like, muscly flesh made of thousands of tiny razor wire. Mm. And, like, you know, you see the muscly, the muscly fabric bending as he stands, and he sh- he's shrouded in, in a cloak. And he smiles, and it's just, like, tiny, tiny, tiny knives. Like, he is just, no- he, is, he is made of nothing but blades and wire. And he smiles and greets you and says, I should have known the answer to the urn's riddle was just stalwart squeezing it as hard as he can. Well, just like you, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. (laughs) Well done, my friend. And he offers his hand and you shake it and it kind of like grates your skin a little bit like sandpaper. So the other person that come that comes out is Tidal, our water affinity elemental, and she washes over both of us. And you can just feel this sense of calm. It's the person that has really been the one that we go to to be mm-hmm. calm. 
And I think this just this comfort, like I said, mm-hmm. just washes over us. And I also love the idea that, you know, and because it's tidal and because it's water, you see quite possibly one of the most rare things and stalwart is mm-hmm. cry. And I also like the air of just confidence that exudes mm-hmm. from her. And you just hear, see you soon. And she just fades off. And I think, I think, I think Razor, uh, or sorry, I think Garote stands there for a moment and says, there will be time for celebrations later. There are more missions to run. And kind of fades in, fades into the night. Okay. I have how this turns. All right. And I think we look at each other and I think we just, I, the only thing that Stalwart wants to do is to be supported by you more than ever before and just like fall into this, like this embrace. And then we both feel something, mm-hmm. something dark, something darker than we've felt before. And. I don't know if your lore gave you a name for it, but it comes out of the urn and the urn just shatters. And if you, if you're with me, I think it kills us both. Oh, I think it absolutely does. I think it absolutely does. It Mm -hmm. is, it is a dread unlike any that the feet, that the Dawn Command has ever faced before. And we are, we are struck down in an instant and we turn to ash and but we turn to ash and we awaken at dawn command and garot and title are waiting for us and we look around and we simply say it's time it's time to do battle and i think that's game oh uh, yes so good so good i like it excellent Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a blast. Oh, no. Thank you so much. Any chance to play Phoenix Dawn Command or be on Party of One, I am there. Oh, this was a great game, too. Oh, my goodness. Neil, real quick before we wrap up, where can people find you and your work online? If you head over to Twitter, it's probably the easiest. And you can find me at Jokemaniac, Jack of all trades, master of none, IAC. And I will be there. And you can catch all of the stuff I'm editing or doing. That's your one-stop shop. Of course, you can also head to thestruggleisneal.com, if nothing else, because it's hilarious. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast, and I am going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take it, future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Neil for coming on the show. That game was amazing. What a cool game. I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. Be sure to check the show notes below for information about all of Neil's work that's whelmed from LP to RP, DMnastics, the DM's block. You can also find more information about Phoenix Dawn Command. That's all in the show notes below. Also, be sure to follow Neil on Twitter at Jotemoniac. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Then slide over to Facebook and like the show at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. You can also join our Discord community at bit.ly slash Party of One Discord. Talk to us about the show, professional wrestling, whatever you want to talk about. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout-out, or word-of-mouth recommendation to a friend. Any of those things help new listeners find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. You can also consider backing the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. 
Patreon backers get access to bonus materials, mini podcasts, and interviews, and Patreon dollars help pay for hosting fees, equipment costs, new games for the show, and convention appearances. If you listen to the show and you thought, I just wish I had another hour a week to spend listening to Jeff Stormer talk to one other person, have I got the podcast for you. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano Saez and I take your listener prompt and spin it into an original fantasy character populating a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday at allmyfantasyandchildren.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you're interested in coming on to the show, whether you're a podcaster, game designer, professional wrestler, writer, actor, musician, film critic, financial guru, party czar, or you just love a good role-playing game, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody. 